Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. And amen to those prayers. Um, yeah, it's so wonderful to be here um, to worship together. I got a little emotional just now when we were singing together. Um, and yeah, um, just really awed by um, how good and how great our God is. And what a wonderful, wonderful thing to be in His presence. And what a beautiful thing to receive His Word. And um, yeah, I, uh, as we look into part two of the Great Commission, we're going to journey together um, looking at God's Word. But really just um, humbled by the fact that I can, words will only be words, but we need His Spirit. We need His spirits to make the words come alive, to bring it to our hearts, to meet us in places that we are at. Because all of us here this morning are at different places as uh, Pastor Wade prayed now. We're in different places here, here, and perhaps with, um, with God. So let us pray. God, you are so, so good. And thank you so much for loving us so much. Thank you for your grace and your compassion. Thank you that we, we can be in your presence, the presence of the great God, the presence who is the king of this world. And in this presence, we feel so loved, so cherished, as he looked to each of us and say, I love you, my child. And we never want to forget that. And even as we go into the text and the passage, Lord, we know that we are your children, deeply loved, and we're in a space of love and compassion. And that that is always this, the posture that we know we can trust. Amen. Okay, so today we're looking at great, the Great Commission, dot, 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 not just the Great Conversion, part two. Some of you might not have been here last week, and so let me give you a summary of part one. Who was here last week? I just wanted to get a sense. Okay, so... Um, I forgot to turn that on. Okay, um, so last week, you see the first part there, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So last week, we focused on that um, because we, uh, it was so easy to go straight into go and make disciples and we just skip over that statement. But that statement there frames the whole uh, Great Commission and it reminds us that Jesus Christ is the King of the world, the Lord of the world, the Lord of the universe, which means that His reign is over everything and every sphere in the world, including what we consider secular or non-religious spaces like our work, like not church work, outside work, so it must be secular. Um, and or the economy or the marketplace or the systems and the institutions we see around us. And His reign is to be made real or to find expression in those 
spheres and spaces in everyday life. You know, it's what we often pray, right? Lord, may your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And so, what would it look like if His reign is made real in your work, your workplace, your relationships, the authorities, the market practice, and stuff like that of Hong Kong? And how this is going to happen is not by brute force or coercion. It's because His authority and power are about sacrifice and self-giving love. And this sets the tone for all the going and the doing or the actions. And so today in part two, we're going to focus on the part that says, okay, I need to, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Okay, there's a lot here in this passage, okay? So um, I'm just picking up, uh, picking out pieces to talk about in our two times 20 minute sermons. This is the second one. Um, so, <laughs> so here, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And remember, I'm with you always to the end of the age. You know, in practice, this command, that bit there, especially teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, um, could look different, okay? And in my experience anyway. Um, so it can look like this. Therefore, go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Full stop. Or it can be, therefore, go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to pray and read the Bible, go to church and commit to tithing. Or, therefore, go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit by enrolling them in the best Bible study or the best discipleship program you can find out there and other configurations. So how do I know this? Because I've been there. So, um, but don't get me wrong. These are all very important, okay? I'm not saying they're not important. They are. It's important to help people grow in their relationship with God. Um, serving in church, um, praying and reading the Word. And I'm very passionate about that. And I love sharing Jesus with people I meet. And I've also learned and grown a lot from wonderful discipleship courses and programs. So it's not like they are not important, but they are not ends in themselves. They do play an important, an important part in the greater scheme of things. But they might not be everything that I have commanded you. So what did Jesus mean by that? Okay, question. What did Jesus talk about most from what we know of him in the Bible? Or what was his central message or his central teaching? So, I've asked this question to several people, I think, um, and I think most people have said love. And this may surprise you. Jesus did talk a lot about love, a lot, okay? But the core of his message, which he preached and taught on most, was the kingdom of God. And of course, love is in there, right? But it is the kingdom of God. Also known as the kingdom of heaven, which is a Jewish way of saying the same thing. See, he did not get killed because he was talking about love. People did not get upset with him because he talked about turning the other cheek or helping people. 
people got upset with him because he preached and taught and demonstrated the kingdom of God, which turned the value systems of the world upside down and which greatly upset status quo. Of, well, especially the status quo of those with status and power. And that's why um, people, Christians included, we like to domesticate Jesus. You know what I mean? Do you know the word domesticate? Tame. Tame Jesus because the gospel of the kingdom of God is actually very subversive. So anyway, it's, so the, okay, think of the disciples, right? The disciples have, have spent time with Jesus, yeah? And so they have seen and witnessed Jesus proclaiming the kingdom, Jesus teaching the kingdom, Jesus demonstrating the kingdom. And so I imagine, okay, so I like to imagine things, I mean, in a healthy way. <laughs> Um, that if I were there that day, right, when Jesus said to teach them, to teach people everything that I have commanded you, I might be thinking this. Yeah, I just like to put myself in those shoes and kind of think like, what, what, what might I be thinking? And so it could be like this. Hmm. Everything. Let's see. What do you mean by everything, Jesus? Okay, so we have been together for quite a bit now, you know, and there's so much to remember. Ah, perhaps it's what you said about life in the kingdom when you were teaching on the mountain. You said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Oh, oh, and there was this time you sent us out with power and authority and you said to proclaim the kingdom by casting out unclean spirits and curing every disease and sickness. Man, good thing we saw how you did it, Jesus. If not, we wouldn't have a clue. Not only did you explain things about the kingdom of heaven, but you show us too. And then you empower us to do that. Oh yeah, I remember. And there was this time that you were by the lake and you saw many people come to you. You got onto the boat while they were standing at the shore and then you were teaching them or you were telling them parables about the kingdom of God. Where you said the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. Though it is the smallest, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants. Ah, and then you taught us about what relationships look like in the kingdom of God. And uh, I remember we asked you this question, Jesus. We asked, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And what you said was so different from what people expected. And not too long ago, you talked about the future of the kingdom. You know, have, who knows back to the future, the, the movie? I mean, it's a while back. Okay, not too many hands. Okay, <laughs> I see one hand um, from the sound booth. So, you know, I love time travel stories. Okay, so when I watched Back to the Future as a kid, I really wanted to be able to time travel. And I would love to be a fly on the wall at the Great Commission scene, you know, when Jesus commissioned the disciples. But what if they were, well, what if you were not there when Jesus spoke those things? Well, thankfully, thank God, like really thank you God for causing Matthew to rec record your teachings for us here. So, five big um, teaching sessions in Matthew where Jesus talked about the kingdom of God. 
And the Great Commission passage is located right at the end. And by the time we get there, Matthew has already told us that Jesus' mission and teaching were primarily about the kingdom of God. So, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you is teaching them everything I have taught you and showed you about the kingdom of God. Okay, I'm going to take a pause here. Are you tracking with me? Okay, I see not. So actually, you know, part one of last week and part two of today, they are connected. It's about the king and his kingdom. So all authority has been given to me. I am king of the world, lord of the world, and I want to see my reign manifested in the world. And I'm going to do it through the people who are called by my name, the Christians. The Christians, who will also call men, women, students, youth, and children to follow me and train them to proclaim and demonstrate my, my reign in the world. So, what does that look like for us in practice? I know some of you have just been waiting for that. Okay, just tell me what to do, right? So, <laughs> what does that look like for us in practice? So I'll say that this is a huge, huge topic and we will learn more as Pastor Wei leads us into the Kingdom Now sermon series over the next, how many weeks now? Yeah, well, many weeks of that, okay? But I do have a few starting points for us, okay? Um, for us who follow Jesus and for us who are reaching out to help other people follow Jesus. But when I say practical, I don't mean steps 1 to 10 of doing the Great Commission and this is how you succeed. They are more like important pieces that we need to pay attention to. So one, what, what's the kingdom? I mean, we, we talk about it a lot, right? So what, what's the kingdom? And we know, and we talked about it being the reign of God in the world. But I think it's still very important to kind of um, think about it. You know, I often hear people talk about the kingdom of God as being in your heart, in my heart. Anyone know that? So, you know, God does transform our hearts, but this is not what Jesus is getting at. And there's also a very common perception that the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven is the place you go to after you die. I was brought up on that, and I believed that for so long. Even when I was praying the Lord's Prayer at the same time, Father, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. See, that was a huge disconnect for me there. God's reign, it does include what we call heaven, but Jesus is not simply talking about life after death. It is not about escaping from earth. It's about God's reign coming to earth. And you know what? It's not just about the spiritual stuff. It's material, material and practical and it impacts every aspect of society and relationships. And you know what? We don't have to wait until Jesus comes back before the kingdom of God can happen. See, Jesus is in the midst of establishing his reign in very real ways right now, even as we look forward to the day that the kingdom will be fully established on earth. So for example, um, I think you know the passage from Revelation that says that um, one day people from every nation and every tribe and language and people will worship together. You know that one, right? So, 
So, I mean, we want that, right? And, and, but the thing is, we don't have to wait for that day, right? So, today, we can be involved. It's what we call um, standing against racism, right? And so, there are so many things that we think, ah, oh, one day it's going to happen. And one day it will happen fully. But it doesn't mean that we don't do anything now. It doesn't mean that we just sit here and wait. So, second thing. Okay, I'm just looking at the time. Okay. Okay, so, so the second thing is that we need to know the king, the story of the king and the way of the king. And I think this is something that, you know, if we're helping other people follow Jesus, it's very important to help them do that too. You know, we just don't want to tell them, this is what Jesus wants, the outcome, but the way of the king. You know, how do we know the way he likes things done? See, there are many social justice issues that Christians care about, but also non-Christians care about and fight against. But as Christians, we care about it in a way that we want to deal with that in a Christ-centered way. We want to... Um, so it's not just the agenda, but it's also Jesus' way. The means matter. Does that make sense? And how do we get to know the king and his ways? See, in this part of the world, many of us get to know the king by reading the Bible. And this is when Bible study programs can actually be helpful. But in some parts of the world, many people can't read. And there are other ways of communicating the word, the word of God. But whatever means we use, um, the important thing is we commit to learning and continue to learn about Jesus, the Savior, Lord, and King, whose kingdom was not attained via a political and military force. My parents, they are not... Um, they haven't done a lot of, haven't had a lot of education, you know. Um, but I love to share the story of Jesus with them. I love to share the stories that we see in the Bible with them. But I do it in a way that's very, very different from, let's say, what we would do in a Bible study program, you know. So, um, whatever means we use, I think we must communicate um, who Jesus is, his ways, uh, his ways and all the thing about him, you know, to the people we are helping to follow Jesus. And number three, there are five, is three. Imagine. We ourselves need to imagine and we need to help other people imagine what God's reign could look like in practical everyday terms. If God's reign in Hong Kong is made real in every space, how would that change things? If Jesus is the boss, if he makes all the policies you can find in Hong Kong, what will Hong Kong look like? What will be the plight of people here? In the days of early Christianity, you know, so we say, if Jesus is king, then Caesar is not. I would add to that. If Jesus is king, then greed is not. If Jesus is king, materialism is not. 
If Jesus is king, systemic injustice is not. If Jesus is king, income disparity is not. If Jesus is king, racism is not. And he is king. And he is exercising his reign through us. You know, every time I walk past one of these ladies pushing the cardboard boxes, you know, when I first came to Hong Kong, I, I, that broke my heart so much. I just, I, I would just, I mean, the first time I saw that, I cried. Um, now, every time I walk past, I still, you know, it still stirs my heart. But um, more recently, maybe because I was thinking through this uh, sermon, I walked past one lady and I asked myself, why is the kingdom of God good news to this lady? I mean, if I were to approach her and share Jesus with her, what do you think would be easier for me to say? I could say, if you receive Jesus into your heart, you know, um, yeah, basically, you'll be secure after death. Or I could say, there's a new king in town. And I would like to share with you the good news of the kingdom of God that has come on earth. And he is here to bring life to everyone. I mean, which one do you think is easier to say? For me, I actually think the first one is easier to say. Because it removes me. I can distance myself. You know, I have shared the gospel with you. I'm, you know, okay, so after life, you know, after, don't worry, after death, you, you're fine. You know, what about now? I mean, if Jesus is king of Hong Kong, what will her plight be? Fourth, after you help people imagine, help them to see where they can play a part. You know, we proclaim the kingdom as a church gathered together like this. You know, we can, through our ministries, through our outreach programs, you know, we reached out and that's great. But we also proclaim as a scattered church. All of us in different places, your workplaces, your schools, maybe at home or maybe in community centers, wherever God has placed you. You know, okay, I'm just taking one minute to do a little publicity. So, because we are, we are organizing a faith and work conference now. And what is the big deal about that? It is basically learning to see how we can partner with God to make His reign real in the world, in and through our work, each of your work. And so, I think it's um, important that once we imagine, then we think through practically what are the spaces we can really make a difference in ushering God's reign in. Not, not that it is not here already. Sorry, I need to rephrase that. And finally, and actually, I would say, I would, maybe most importantly, teaching must be embodied. It means that it must be expressed in a tangible form like in the case of Jesus. He did not just say, now, you do this, you do that, but he lived it. Now, if making real the reign of Jesus is through love and sacrifice, there's only so much you can do to give instructions, right? 
People have to see and experience. And in my opinion, this is where programs and courses fall short. Because no discipleship program can make that happen. Word must become flesh. And the kingdom of God is seen through power, yes, but also sacrifice and pain. Okay, I think I have time to share very quickly with you. Um, for so many years, I've had several mentors in my life, you know, I'm very, very grateful for. And, and for many years, you know, they've really taught me about Jesus, taught me about Jesus and all that he stands for. But you see, growing up in Singapore, um, you know, I grew up, um, I guess, pretty comfortable. And um, there are people in the society that we just don't see. You don't know that you mean to them, you just don't see them. And um, they, just, they just perform functions for you, you know, so very functional view of people. And, and it went on for years, you know, as I grew in my faith and, and my mentors. And there was this particular mentor, um, not from Singapore. Um, one day, um, this mentor decided to come to Singapore to visit us. And then, and then you know, and then we had dinner and, and um, but she, so we had dinner at this space um, where there are different people serving us. And next to this um, dinner place, we have people working constructions. You know, and I have to say, very ashamed. You know, I'm ashamed of this, right? But we really don't see them. But she would talk to them. She would, she humanizes them. They became people. People with a name. People with a story. People with hopes and dreams. And I, think, I remember feeling very ashamed of myself. But God is gracious, you know, and I'm so glad that God is so patient with us, you know. It's not that I, didn't, it's not that I wanted to ignore them, but it's just I grew up in a system where that is just normal, you know. And she was, and she came and she was like, hey, what's your name? Which country are you from? Oh, wow. And how about your parents? You know, where are they? Um, are they, oh, wow, do you miss your parents? Or oh, hey, where's your kid? You know, so I think, and I told myself, wow. I think if Jesus reigns, this is what it looks like. Wherever we go, we bring life to people in small ways and big ways. But first, we must see. Okay, I'm going to bring this to a close now. Um, the, Jesus says that he'll be with us as we do this. And we can trust him and trust his Holy Spirit to help us see and to empower us and to help us love. Not just to see the agenda, but to see his ways. But he will also empower us to love in a way that no programs could do. That is to love, to love self-sacrificially. And that is when people we are encouraging to follow Jesus will go, ah, I see. That's how it's done. Let us pray. Oh 
Lord Jesus, just as you have taught us to pray, we now pray, may your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, we surrender. And we say, Lord, we need you, even in this great commission. It's not our project. It's not about making us great. It's about you and your reign and your kingdom because in your kingdom, there is life and flourishing. Because when you rule, it's different. And we need you. Hong Kong needs you. And we are so privileged to be your people whom you have called to participate with you in this kingdom project of yours. I do not, I wish I can give like practical tips of 1 to 10 or A to Z, but no, I am not the Holy Spirit. And Holy, Holy Spirit, you know each and pers- every person here this morning. You know where they work. You know the relationships that they have in the workplace and in their families. You know the people they come across the people they see every day on the streets or in in their neighborhood. And Holy Spirit, I pray that um, you will give each of us here eyes to see how in big and small ways we can be instruments where your reign um, can be made real in a world that so desperately needs to see you and experience you. Words are important, but words can be cheap. Help us to have, to have an embodied faith. Amen.